0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We're starting a brand new series called Googling God, where we're looking at some of the big questions that people have about faith. Not just those who don't have faith, but those who do have faith. And these are some difficult questions. And many of you, we don't know how to answer these when other people ask us. And we don't know how to answer them for ourselves at times as well. So our first question is this, does science contradict faith? Does science contradict faith? The answer is absolutely no. But when it comes to Google, when it comes to Googling God, it's amazing how uh, some of the crazy things that people Google about, So I've done a bit of research on this. These are some of the top kind of answers or questions that people ask on Google right now. Do penguins have knees? (laughs) Who cares? Do Do cockerels crow when they feel like it? Why does cucumber taste like shampoo? That's worrying on lots of levels to me. How does a giraffe clean its ears? Deep. Who let the dogs out? That's one of the questions. What happens to old false legs? And this one, I have asked this question myself, why don't ducks feet stick to ice? it's an important question. That's an important question. Laura, I thought that question you might be interested in there. I thought you were. This series will open up some of these questions. So today the debate is between science and faith. The problem is our culture sets it up in such an unhelpful way. Because in the blue corner, you have Christopher, okay, the scientist, and he's got loads of letters after his name, and he's so intelligent, and he's so articulate. And of course, he says that science has disproved God. Then you've got Brian from Burnley, who's got an O-level in woodwork, believes the earth is flat, and all scientists are devils. And that's the kind of way that our culture and our media set up the debate. So what are my credentials to talk to you about this subject today? It's really funny because I just noticed somebody come in who's doing a PhD and who did a video this week on quantum theory and black holes. Well, my credentials are I have a CSE grade one in biology and I was a geologist when I was at college, I wanted to do geology at university, but when I got to do A-level geology, I love geology, I love studying old rocks, I'm just living the dream, but my chemistry was woeful, like I'm woeful. I couldn't get GCSE at all. So when I went to do A-levels, the guy said, if you want to do geology, you need to get at least a GCSE in chemistry. So I worked hard on this GCSE in chemistry, not, and and I did this exam, and uh, on the day of of this kind of mock exam, uh, he said, you've got naught percent. Nought percent. And then he said to me, so what are you going to say about this? And so I looked at it and I said, it leaves room for improvement. (laughs) To which me and chemistry parted our ways. So I'm not really qualified to talk about science other than I love this subject. I love it because I think we've got it so wrong. I think we've got it so wrong as Christians. And the argument always becomes very kind of binary, it's either this or this. If you're a thinking person, if you're a rational person, if you're a reasonable person, you can't possibly believe in God. That's where the argument is totally, totally flawed. It's not either or, it's both and. I'm gonna show that to you today. See, everyone has faith, even atheists have faith. Because faith is basically an assumption about the reality of the world by which there is no empirical evidence. In other words, you cannot scientifically prove it. So an an atheist assumption is that there is no God, but you cannot empirically, scientifically prove that there is no God, it's a faith position. Everybody has a faith position. A patient dies of a long illness. Somebody will say, at least the suffering is over. How do we know that? How do we know that? How can you evidence that? How can you prove that? In August of 1961, the Russian astronaut went out into space, first man in space, and of course, he looks for God and couldn't find Him. So famously reported back, there is no God. I went to space and I couldn't find Him. But a guy called Mark Clark in a brilliant book called The Problem of God, he says this, a generation ago, people believed that the deeper science delved into the world, the more secularized society would become. In other words, the more educated we became, the less likely people would be to believe in God. The reality, however, is proving just the opposite. In 2010, which is the last time there's recorded data on this, 84% of the world's population believed in some kind of supernatural God, some kind of being beyond ourselves, 84%. But in the Western world, the media and the voice of secularism is so strong, it makes you and I think that we're in a minority when we're not. We may be when it comes to church attendance, that's a whole different conversation. But when it comes to a belief, I think there are very few genuine atheists on the planet. It's amazing how many people who say they have no faith suddenly wanna speak the name of Jesus or some other God when they're in trouble. Secularism may be a loud voice in the Western world, but I think secularism is a myth. I really do, because I think there's something deep inside of every single one of us that knows that there is something more and something beyond what we can see, touch, taste, eat or wear. So I wanted to just share four ideas with you around science and faith. And I'm hoping this will do two things. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, okay, I'm really hoping that this at least causes you to want to ask and explore. It's really unscientific of you not to explore the evidence. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope that what today does is give you some confidence in your faith and gives you something by which you can say, do you know what, I can't prove it to you because otherwise you wouldn't need faith. But there's evidence to my faith. There's foundation to my faith. There's something solid to my faith. So four ideas. Number one is this, science and faith have more in common than people think. Imagine you're on a plane and you're coming home to the UK and you look out the left window and you see the white cliffs of Dover, but you look out the right window and you see the channel and you see Europe. Remember that thing that we used to be a part of, Europe? Anyway, one not go there. Uh, now, which is true? Am I coming home? Is it UK or is it Europe? Well, it depends which window you're looking through, doesn't it? And that's the thing with science and faith. They're two disciplines doing two different things. They're two windows, they're two lenses, they're two sides of the same coin. I express it this way, science is the what and the how, but faith is the who and the why. They're like two sides, they're like two windows. Science is great, it tells us the what and the how, but faith tells us the who and the why. But the second idea I want to share with you is this, the people who should feel the tension often don't. So you and I feel the tension, but actually a lot of scientists don't. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them. So we'll look at three of the big ideas. We'll look first at the origin of the universe, how the universe began. There you go. Now, (laughs) just a nice, easy thing. If we go to the Bible, the Bible says the very first things in the Old Testament. The Bible is split. The Bible is not one book. The Bible is 66 books. Uh, The first half is the Old Testament. The second half is the New Testament. The first half, starts in Genesis with these words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then when you go to the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John One of the gospels starts this way, in the beginning, exactly the same way, was the Word, and that's the Logos, the Greek word, the Logos, that revealed a life of God. It's talking really about Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. This shows us the who and the why, but not necessarily the what and the how. And there's not the tension that you and I feel there should be. You see faith says that something created something out of nothing, science now kind of agrees with that. When the Hubble telescope came and the whole Big Bang Theory, the universe had a point of origin. Now we may dispute about what started that, where the first atom came from and all of that, but the idea that that we're a a polar opposite isn't actually true because science says that the universe had a fixed point of origin. Well that's what we believe isn't it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In 1992, the Cosmic Background Explorer Satellite, C-O-B-E, backed that up and you got the birth of what they call modern cosmology. And for some scientists, it was actually the birth of a belief in God. George Smoot, who was head of COBE, he said, when I looked into the universe, it was like looking at God. Now, amazing, a scientist looking through a telescope into the universe is like looking at God. Dr. Robert Jastrow from uh, NASA, he said this, now we see how the astronomical evidence leads to a biblical view of the origin of the world. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He's scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. I love that quote. Isn't that amazing? And that's not not belittling science. That's a scientist speaking saying, listen, reason and science is brilliant, but faith and God, they're not polar opposites, they are two sides of the same coin, they are two lenses, they are two disciplines doing different things, they are two windows into the world. What about creation order? (laughs) If it's seven days, are they 24 hours long? If so, the world is only 6,000 years old, which is a big one for many to get over and I get that. Scholars believe that Moses wrote uh, Genesis. He wrote the first five books, which we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. He wasn't there at the beginning. So he wrote it centuries later. So he was inspired by God. Do they have to be seven 24 uh, 24 hour periods? I don't think so, but you might do, that's okay. Is it possible for the earth to look older when it was in fact formed younger? Is that possible? There are lots of things that I think are possible. One thing is definite, there's creation and there's order. What about the human origin story? It is now commonly agreed in the scientific community that we're all ancestors of one person. In fact, our chromosomes are referred to as Y Adam and mitochondrial Eve. That's how they're referred to. But what I want to go a little bit different is, what about the humanness of humans? You see, when I look at human beings and I'm looking at some today, Not necessarily everyone, no, I am looking at everyone, human beings. You know, I look at each other, our uniqueness and our individuality. And and animals are great, okay, and I'm not down on animals, but there's something very unique about human beings. That's really important. I think in a world which does celebrate animals to such a degree, we need to be careful. Oh, careful, I'm going to get dodgy ground here. Careful as followers of Jesus that we understand theologically how different human beings are. There's a humanness in humans, which is not just a scientific, biological thing. John Ortberg, a great writer that I I love really, he said this, would you have a chimp babysit your child? Or would you date a chimp? Some of you are saying, I've dated lots of them. (laughs) Some of you say, I married one. Don't look at the person next to you. Oh, you looked at the person next to you at the wrong moment. But the idea here is that evolution within species is great. understand that, but actually, actually the origin of humans, the humanity of humans, the humanness of humans, the divine that there is in humans. You see, I'm not just talking about limbs, feet, thumbs. What about compassion? What about mercy? What about kindness? What about tenderness? What about self-sacrifice? What about courage? What about bravery? You don't see those things in the animal world because there's something unique about humans. Many of you know, I reference him often, not all the time, but our youngest son, Simeon, who's 28, he's got very complex uh, learning disabilities. He's neurodivergent, which is new language for autistic. And um, he's cognitively around four or five in his head. Over the last few years, he's losing a lot of his language, which is very sad and heartbreaking for us. But there are certain moments, like yesterday, when we went out as a family with Josh and Ida and, and the two girls, and there's moments where he is so, like he shouldn't be. <laughs> he is so tender and so compassionate. And, and, and biologically, and in terms of his neuropathways, he shouldn't be that empathic. So when tally has got a little tear on, on, on her cheek here, when we're out, outside, he'll often sometimes calm and he'll just literally gently take that tear off her cheek. Or he'll look at Lydia as she's got a little bit unsettled and he'll really gently just put his hand on her head and go, shh, where's that come from? Where's that come from? See, when I look at that and I experience that, it's the divine. It's sacred. It's beautiful. It's holy. Where does all that come from? Last week at Spring Harvest, um, one of the fellows that spoke was an amazing guy who told his story uh, that he was brought up um, in the streets of East London and uh, in the gang culture and uh, got involved with knife stuff and all of that. And as a 17 year old, he went out to a rave with his brother and he took a knife with him because that's just what they did. And They got into an altercation with someone and this fellow said, and I turned and I stabbed this guy. He ended up killing the guy. He was arrested for manslaughter, sent to prison, and there met Jesus and got miraculously saved. And, uh, and he was amazing. And on the, way, on, the, on the way out of the main event, the main the gathering where, that, where we were, there was 2000 people there as he was walking out. Um, he was walking out to go to the exhibition to sign his book, okay, do a book signing thing. And he's like six foot four, um, black guy, really cool guy, been on the streets of London, amazing guy. And a, a little lady who was quite um, short and a little kind of you know awkward on her feet, she came and she stood in front of him. And she said, I was stabbed by someone like you in the streets of London years ago. And then she said this, <laughs> she said i 've forgiven him, but i 'll never know him, and I can never hug him. Could I hug you?" And we watched this big guy hug this little lady for four minutes, and I look at that and i think what 's that that 's not biology, is it that 's divine that 's these little moments of the inbreaking of the power and the presence of God. Whenever you see another human being, they're made in the image of God. And science and faith are not opposite. Charles Darwin himself, he says this, man is the only animal that blushes. See, there's there's little windows like that where you think this is more than biology. There's something of divinity, there's something of the divine in every single human being. Scientists, Galileo, astronomer and uh, physicist uh, and an engineer, he said this, I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has endowed us with sense, reason and intellect has intended for us to forego their use. The laws of nature are written by the hand of God in the language of mathematics. Isaac Newton, physicist, mathematician, astronomer, philosopher, he said this this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all. And you might say, oh, but they're all scientists. Well, this guy is still alive. Francis Collins, former head of the Human Genome Project, he wrote this I had started this journey of intellectual exploration exploration to confirm my atheism. That now lays in ruins as the argument from the moral law and many other issues forced me to admit the plausibility of the God hypothesis. Agnosticism, which has seemed like a safe second place haven now loomed like the great cop-out it often is. And then he says this, faith in God seemed more rational than disbelief. It's amazing. There's not the tension that you and I think there should be if we embrace it. But number three, science is amazing but it isn't everything. It's amazing but it isn't everything. Alex Rex Sandich uh, said to be one of the greatest observational cosmologists of all time, he said this, it is my science my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. And I love this, um, you know, the problem is our culture especially in the West, which is a smaller view on the world, okay. If you're looking at the parts of the world, it's not the same kind of narrative that we get in our context, which is why I think it's skewed a little bit. We need to have a bigger view of what God is doing in the world. But our culture says the more we become scientific, the less we'll need God. And actually that's not true, because science is great, but it isn't everything. In fact, science is actually creating some of its own problems right now, if you read about the recent AI controversy. So we've got all this AI technology and now we're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, this could be a threat to the human race. So we can create things scientifically, we have the knowledge, we don't necessarily have the wisdom to know what to do with them. And I love this quote by a guy called James Gustav Spieth, big names today, who led the World Resources Institute. Listen to this, he said this, I used to think, that the top environmental problems were biodiversity, ecosystem collapse and climate change. I thought that 30 years of good science could address those problems. I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed and apathy. And to deal with these, we need a cultural and spiritual transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. Science is great. It's amazing, but it isn't everything. And finally, science is a gift from God and a gift that points to God. And I want us to land with this and we're gonna worship in a moment. You see, James 1 verse 17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. So I wanna declare my view on this is that science is a good and perfect gift from above. If you're one of those Christians that think that science is all devil and all that, that's fine, you have your view. I don't happen to believe that. I think God is way bigger than that. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Look, what science is now discovering, the Bible has been saying centuries before. We're just catching up. Gravity. Gravity, Job 26, verse seven, one of the oldest books, probably the oldest book written, okay, in terms of historically written is Job. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. Scientists would call that gravity. The water cycle, again in Job 26. He wraps up the waters in His clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. Scientists have been discovering this and looking at it for centuries. What about the Earth's core? Again, in Job 28, the Earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire. There's fire at the Earth's core. What about the Earth's stability? Psalm 104: He set the Earth on its foundations; it can never be moved. What about the universe itself? Psalm 19: Verse 1: The heavens declare the glory of God; the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Isn't that brilliant? Science and faith, not science or faith. One tells us the what and the how. One tells us the why and the who. Can we bring those things together if this is true? If science does not contradict our faith or disprove our faith in God, what are the implications? Well, number one, if you are a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you today Not to dismiss or belittle science, okay? Don't be one of those kind of people that dismiss or belittle science. It's a gift from God. But on the other side, don't be intimidated or feel inferior because you may not be able to grapple with quantum theory or with cosmology and all that stuff, and I know I can't. You don't need to be embarrassed or intimidated. If you are a follower, I want you to know, your faith has foundation. Your faith has evidence. Your faith has something by which you can build your life on. And ultimately, ultimately, we celebrated it last Sunday, didn't we? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The defying all of those scientific, if you like, uh, boundaries and parameters. Our God who's able to do that is the God who can build your life and you can build your life upon Him. So if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to be confident in your faith today. But if you're not, a follower of Jesus. I wanna ask you to be scientific. If you're not a follower of Jesus, be scientific. At least explore the evidence. That's a scientific approach. There's hypotheses, and then there's evidence, there's research. You at least go on that journey if you're not a follower of Jesus. It would be really unscientific of you not to do that. How do you do that? Well, you need to take your next step. You need to take your next step. Maybe for some of you that's just coming back or if you're online, tuning in again or in one of our sites, coming back next week when Stuart's going to look at one of the other really big questions that many of us have. Take another step or maybe sign up for Alpha. We run Alpha courses here in, in the church. You know, it was so good at Spring Harvest. Over 200 people on site were in an Alpha course. So they went to Spring Harvest, not as Christians, but wanting to explore Christian faith. We run those courses here as well. You can sign up for that. But you know, it was Pascal, Blaise Pascal, one of the great scientific brains of the planet, who also was a believer in Jesus. And he was the one that is reputed to have developed this idea that in every single human being, there is a God-shaped hole. It's like, the, it's been called the God gene in every single one of us. And we had an amazing uh, thing came on our Facebook page just this last week of someone who came for the first time two weeks ago to church. And, she said that she's from a background of um, paganism and, and different spiritualities, and how she has been all around the world looking at different spiritualities and being to different temples, because there's a God-shaped hole within all of us. But she said, when I came two weeks ago, I was flooded with a sense of the presence of God that I can't explain. And then she said, and so I decided to come back and she came back on her own last Sunday, Easter Sunday. And she said, Do you know what? I experienced again the same presence of God that I cannot explain. That's Jesus by His Holy Spirit. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, we wanna pray for you today to take a step towards Him. And if you are a follower of Jesus and maybe you're asking big questions. You know, I, I ask big questions often. I've been sometimes been to amazing events like I've been to last week and seen God do amazing things and people get saved, people get healed, people get set free, people give prophetic words that they couldn't know anything about. Then I drive home in the car and I think to myself, is there a God? I have moments like that. Or you're faced with a situation where you think, God, how could you allow that to happen? I get that. But then I come back and say, but I know that there is a God. And I know that He holds all things together, even when I can't see it. So I wanna invite you, if you're willing and able, just to stand with me for a moment. And in our sights, would you stand online? Don't switch off right now, okay? And if, if you, you know that, hey, I need to take a step, then I want, I'm not gonna ask you to respond publicly today, but I'm gonna ask you inside your mind and your heart to take a step, okay? Between you and God, but I wanna ask you to take a step, whatever that step looks like. Maybe it's right here, right now. Maybe as we go out, we have a prayer room, you go ask someone to pray for you. Maybe you go speak the connection point, sign up for Alpha, or, or maybe just say, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. And if you are a follower of Jesus, but you're asking questions about God right now, I wanna pray for you as well. Because it's not in our questions that God runs away. It's not in our doubts that God, listen, if you've got doubts about God, it's all right. It's what you do with your doubts that's important. God doesn't run away from you. God doesn't turn His back on you when you have questions and doubts. God just says, hey, let's maintain this space. Let's keep moving towards each other and we'll figure it out together. So let me pray for you. Father, I wanna thank You. You are an amazing God and science is an amazing gift. But it isn't everything, but it points towards the One who is everything. And that's You. Lord, You are the One who is worthy of our praise. Jesus, You are the Name above every other name. In the beginning were You, was You and You spoke and the earth came into formation and You created and You began that catalytic process. And now science is discovering what that looks like and we give You thanks for that. But God, we don't give praise and glory to science. Why would we do that? It's created, You are the Creator. So Jesus, today, we take a step towards You, we give You worship, we give You praise, and we say, Lord, we will build our life on a solid foundation. We're not building our life on a myth, a fairy tale, or a legend. We're building our life on a solid foundation. And when that moment comes, like it has for George Verwa, like it has for Abby, when that moment comes, when this life ends, we get to experience real life with You for eternity. And that's so amazing. So Jesus, encourages and strengthen us in our faith, I pray. The next time we're in conversations with people and we feel a little bit intimidated, feel a little bit insecure, may we hold our head up high and not try and argue people, but just know that we have a solid faith. We have a faith that has a foundation. And we don't need to be intimidated or embarrassed because You are amazing. So Jesus, as we worship You now, would You lift our hearts as we lift You, I pray, in Jesus' Name, Amen.